Welcome to Go Behind the Ballot, a podcast where two Texas moms go on an educational quest to demystify Texas politics. Join me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, as we deep dive into the most burning issues, hear stories from candidates, and offer hope in these challenging political times. Let's saddle up and go behind the ballot. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Go Behind the Ballot. I am Claire Campos O'Neill. And I am Nicole Abshire. And we are here today to continue the conversation about guns in Texas. As you might remember from our previous episode this week, we spoke with Nicole Golden, who is the executive director with Texas Gun Sense. And we thought it would be great to continue the conversation uh, by looking at this article that came out in the Texas Tribune. It was actually with the Texas Tribune and another publication. Do you remember the other one, Nicole? It was like a partnership. It was a partnership with The Trace, which is a nonprofit newsroom focused on covering the nation's gun violence crisis. And their information is listed at Uh, the top of the article. And we will have the article link in the show notes. Um, But this article was written by Caroline Covington, and the title is Texas's Complex Relationship with Firearms, colon, Leading America in Gun Sales, but with a Declining Gun Ownership Rate. So this was a really interesting article to look at because it referenced a lot of statistics happening in Texas, but at the end of the day kept saying, and yet these things are hard to track, being guns in our country. Um, so we thought this would be good to talk about because with Nicole, we were discussing a lot of why gun violence is on the rise and trying to nail down the cause and then what are the solutions to help reduce that because I think most of us can agree gun violence, not a good thing. So what do we do to remedy that? Um, so Nicole, why don't you take us from the top? Tell us some of the initial things that stood out from this article. Well, um, I definitely was paying attention to how in Texas, the background checks for gun purchases rise after mass shootings. That is a continual pattern that we see again and again here in Texas. Um, another thing that stuck out to me was that there are more, or there were more guns purchased during the pandemic than at any time this century. Um, and that, but this is kind of a, but that I was really trying to work out in my mind, which of course is included in the title of the article, which is that the rate of gun ownership is decreasing, right? That our population growth is outpacing the rate of household gun ownership. Mm -hmm. Yes, I flagged the first thing you mentioned as well. This correlation between the rise in background checks is correlated to the rise in mass shootings. They seem to go hand in hand. And later in the article, it says that one of the top reasons people buy guns in the first place is for personal protection. So I can see how that would be sort of the psychological connection. I, I notice more mass shootings in the news. I don't want to be a victim to that. So my reaction is to purchase a gun. And that is sort of the cycle we have fallen into. Um, and this article really highlights that the data backs that up. Um, there's a lot of guns in Texas. I mean, it, it says, the article says that more guns are purchased here, being Texas, than in any other state. I mean, we also are the second most populous state, uh, but 
we like our guns. I wrote everything's bigger in Texas. But the other interesting thing, though, is that we're also like middle of the pack in terms of that that household ownership statistic. So it this is a really interesting article in terms of just trying to kind of sit with the data and try to make it make sense, right? There, There's a lot of complexity here that I think is really important to pay attention to. And also I was so grateful that we had the conversation with Nicole Golden because then some of the things made more sense to me than I think they would have had I not had that conversation. Because I'll admit to you, I'm still parsing through background checks versus licensing. I definitely conflated the two in my mind. I thought that if you had a background check, that meant that you were applying for a license or that you were a licensed gun owner after you had a background check. But now what I understand is that those are different processes that are separated. I think you, if you are purchasing a gun right at a federally licensed facility, gun selling facility, you have to get a background check for that purchase. But in Texas, because we are a permitless carry state, you no longer have to have a license then to carry that weapon. And then if you made that purchase at a non-federally licensed gun selling facility or, you know, gun show, you wouldn't even have had to have that background check, nor would you have to have any sort of a license. Correct. And the thing that I asked Nicole and still blows my mind, Nicole Golden, was that that is legal. You can do that. You can buy guns from individuals or gun shows that don't run background checks because they don't have to. And you're fine. The law says you're fine, which seems bizarre because these are serious. I mean, they're, they're intended, they're, they're intended to kill, right? Like whether it's people or animals or maybe for target practice, I'll say that too. But these are, you must, I think if you're going to be allowed to have these items, they come with a lot of responsibility. So the fact that you can just purchase it and be on your merry way seems weird, very weird to me. Well, and right, if we think about other things that we have to have licenses for, it does not seem out of line to require a license for a firearm. Um, yeah, right? I we mean, have to be even... licensed to drive a car. We have to be, like, hairdressers have to be licensed. Like there's all sorts of of things that we require licenses and training for. And it feels strangely out of line to not require that for gun ownership. Right. Even some things, I don't know that this is a law necessarily, but it used to be like if you were going to buy Sudafed or certain things at the grocery store, you had to show your license. You had to prove that you were a certain age. If you wanted to buy even, um, what are those things they called? Uh, spray, spray paint. Like that was something that was pretty monitored in stores. So it's, isn't it strange that those things were like, I don't know, let's make sure you look legit. But in some instances, guns are like, no worries. <laughs> you can just make well, that Well, and let's point happen. out, this is new. And our lawmakers resisted it, the permitless carry, for a really long time. So it's also 
Like we're not, this isn't us being outliers, I think, and being concerned and sort of head scratch, head scratching about this. Our lawmakers were in the same kind of way of thinking until, was it last legislative session? Yes, it was last session. I mean, it, it was, yeah, it just in 2020 that this. One. 2021. Thank you. Like yes. years. Um, <laughs> 2021 that this passed, right? I do know that it's House Bill 1927. Um, but yeah, this is this is new. I clearly this had they had resisted this for a long time. Is the mm-hmm. overall point? Mm-hmm. They, yes. So this is where we are now. And another thing that the article points out is that. There's more guns in Texas, and yet there's a smaller share of households with firearms. So that makes me think that more people are buying a larger quantity of guns. Or um, does that make sense, Nicole? Is that how you read that? That's how I understand that too. Um, yes, that that proportionally there are fewer households that own guns like that is a, it sounds like a statistic that is in steady decline and has been since 1980 but that if you just look at the raw number of guns that number itself is high but when you account proportionally for how many households own guns that's when there's a downward trend mm-hmm. um there was um this one person mentioned the article mark Oliva, Oliva, I think his name is, the director of public affairs for the National Shooting Sports Foundation. And he said, he said, quote, I could go into the gun store today. I could buy two guns. It's going to be one background check because they're checking me, of course, not the gun. That was a really interesting point that they highlighted that, again, this, this, these statistics are very hard and this data is very hard to gather because it's based on the check like we're not really counting the guns in circulation necessarily it's more the person purchasing the firearm so uh, again like it's such a moving target because we're not honing in on that specific quantity of guns that's out there in the public which we should be because as we've been saying this is one of those things that um leads to gun violence a lot of the time so we should know we should know what we're what's what's out there in our society yeah there's it there there are a few different measures that it lays out within the article for those who decide to go read it that that highlight how yes this data there's a lot of data missing it says very specifically there's a lot of data missing there are a lot of different methods for how people arrive at the statistics that they arrive at. So there's nothing that is set in stone about these statistics. These are estimates where these experts are using different measures and ways of looking at other statistics to try to fill in the blanks here, but it isn't very hard I mean, I don't want to say it's not hard science because this is scientific, but it, it, it's, they had to fill in some blanks. Yeah. Some estimates. Yes. 
it's so crazy too because in this day and age i feel like so much of our economy is based around technology which is based around data and data collection and understanding buying trends and people's behavior so it's like why can't we apply this to guns i mean there has to be something in the way i'm assuming it's the gun lobby like not wanting um these things to be tracked because then we will maybe get a clearer picture of the causation and correlation uh, but meanwhile, yeah, we're we're stuck with this real patchwork of people making their best guesses, and it makes it easier for the conversation to spiral into other things like, but it's mental health, but it's this, but it's that, when it's like, wait a second, we're trying to talk, we're trying to just track guns here, um, but we keep getting spun around in different directions. Um, nonetheless, it's a very helpful article because it does give you somewhat of a picture, if perhaps not completely... Um, complete <laughs> what's that <laughs> a complete picture is that what we say yeah <laughs> we're trying everybody oh lord english oh, uh gosh. something that popped out to me i don't know why but uh the article said that forty-seven thousand guns are stolen each year in texas alone good lord that's a lot of guns to be in the wrong hands Sometimes I read, well, no, this time, how about I will just do a sometimes. When I read this, I thought, I am so out of touch, it feels like, with what is happening in the world. And in some cases, I'm glad I'm out of touch. I mean, I do want to be educated and I do want to learn, but my goodness, I would not have imagined that number. What in the oh, world? It's a lot. It's a lot of guns. It's a lot of guns. You have been stolen. So yeah, let me imagine like what are the circumstances where guns are being taken from someone when they shouldn't be? I don't like that. Um, and then as we get further into the article, again, something I mentioned towards the beginning of the show is that the number one reason Americans purchase guns, at least they say, is for self-protection. Um not no surprise there. I mean, uh, we're a very individualist nation and especially Texas, you know, we're like hyper America, you know? Uh, so we want to protect ourselves and our home and our property and our families, understandably so. Um, but that leads to more guns in circulation because that's quite a way that someone can feel like they have that control again is by having that gun in their home should they need it. But what happens, Nicole? When there's more guns. Well, yes. The one correlation where there is no argument is that more guns equal more deaths. And that there is just a direct correlation there. So, mm -hmm. And something that the article says, this too, I think I might have suspected, but they lay it out, is that the number one cause of death for African-American males between the age of 15 and 34 is homicide involving a firearm. However, for white Texans, they're more likely to die from suicide involving a firearm. So you have these two big pools of folks who are sadly facing death, whether it's at their own hands or someone else's because of this high number of, of guns in our state, in our country, but in our, we're specifically talking about Texas here. That's yeah. not good. Yeah, that part of the article was really interesting too. The visual of the graphs. So everybody, there's a there are bar graphs that they use to illustrate 
the difference, kind of the inverse relationship of guns and homicide and suicide in in the, those communities. And it, you know, it's one of those that it's a, a bar graph that speaks a thousand words. It really says a lot. And then also, what was really interesting was then seeing the the map of Texas, right, where they show how in urban areas, right, death by guns um, for black men is in you know urban areas. Whereas the death by gun for white men and suicide is in rural areas. And so just to see those contrasting bar graphs and the pictures of Texas, both in the urban areas and rural areas, is really interesting and just says a lot. Mm-hmm. It does say a lot. Um, gosh, I'm trying to pull in another thread. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull this off. I've been reading this book recently that Oprah wrote well she, it's like a compilation of her work and other people's work called the path made clear it's one of those like find your purpose find your path or whatever it's a good book and someone that she interviewed was talking about like pain and suffering and I just feel like there has to be some connection between the suffering that we feel this need to have guns and how that plays out in either like person-on-person violence or like against yourself violence I'm going to tie that together more pretty down the road, but I just think there's something there, you know, um, basically just showing us there's a lot of suffering that's happening. And unfortunately, it's it's coming out as violence against one another or, or inflicting on ourselves. Yeah, it's not... Um... I want to be hopeful, right? There, There is always a reason to hope, but I will say that, yeah, that particular part of our society is, is a little bleak and dark. These are some hard times. Yeah, and I, and I know in this conversation we didn't want to touch too much on mass shootings because it feels like that takes a lot of the oxygen, and in reality, most gun deaths are not happening in, in that in that uh, scope. It's It's more one-on-one. Honestly, most of the time, it's people who get into a bar fight, you know, tempers get hot, and they reach for a gun. That's what you see when you when we're talking about gun violence or domestic, you know, disputes. Um, however, there's I know I talked about this before in the podcast. There's such a profile with the young men, typically, who are executing these executions and their personal interior lives being lo- being described as lonely, bullied, isolated, feel like they're misunderstood. So again, there's something there and then this impulse to grab a gun, to solve it with a gun. Um, wasn't there something recently, Nicole, that we even talked about uh, offline with a recent mass shooting and the shooter's father said something like, when you have a problem, you solve it with a gun or something like that? It doesn't. I'm sorry. I wish I had that ready to go. That's okay. I'll I'll think on it. Um, Another mass shooting. Who knows which one it was? I mean, there's so many. It's really hard to like keep them filed in your mind, sadly. Um, But yeah, we're we're in a culture where people, some people, learn that that's 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 a answer. Yeah. But as we know, it's it's not the one that. that's good for for any of us. Um, anyway, side tangent. <laughs> <laughs> but getting back onto the article, 
as um, we learned from Nicole Golden in our episode, our main episode, uh, she said this too, and the article says this, that there is a correlation between states with weaker gun restrictions and higher levels of gun deaths, as well as higher levels of trafficking of stole, uh, stolen gun sales. Basically, yes, uh, the weaker the restrictions, the higher the gun deaths. The more restrictions, the lower the gun deaths and the lower the gun violence. And that is something that they find in the data. Um, and it's a good argument for why we really need to take this seriously and hopefully in Texas move into the direction of more restrictions. Reasonable this doesn't restrictions. Mean, exactly. <laughs> this isn't an effort to remove guns from responsible gun owners. What it is is a response to direct correlations that can be made between more guns equals more deaths and responding in ways that are responsible, meaning having loopholes closed in terms of background checks. Um, I would love to see us become a non-permitless carry state, meaning that you do have to be licensed to own a firearm. Uh, red flag laws, you know, there are very reasonable restrictions that we could enact that from all the data also reveals that most Texans agree on and like. So the things that, that um, I think that we're talking about that we would love to see put in place are not, not, you know, outlying kind of really unreasonable restrictions. They're actually very reasonable and can be agreed upon by a lot of folks, by the majority. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And towards the end of the article, they say that the, the solution is tightening gun regulations. Other states have proven this. So hopefully in this next legislative session, we will take this, co- we'll, we'll take this data seriously and, and apply it so that we have fewer, gun, lower, lower gun deaths, but lower gun violence. Um, because I, I mean, I can't really see what what case you can make to be like, no, more gun violence. Like, who does that serve? And it serves no one. It helps no one for us to have more, well, I don't know, no one necessarily, but most of us do not want this. I think this is also another case, right, where we, we have to agree on the facts, right? We have to have common ground in terms of, can we all agree that these are the statistics that we are facing as a society. And then we can talk about what the response ought to be because I think that we can get people to agree on the statistics that we're talking about here. But some people would say, but good guys, we need more good guys with guns instead of acknowledging, no, that's not what the data says. So that's where things can get really tricky. Um, And I think my question to something I wish we'd asked Nicole Golden if I had had kind of the wherewithal at the time is, can, can we, like, where do we go now that we are a permitless carry state? Yeah, that's a good question. I I think I'm, I want to believe that, you know, the reasonable restrictions are possible, but have we gone too far? Is that not actually true mm-hmm. because we're mm-hmm. permitless carry? Right. Yeah. Well, I think too, what we're learning 
is that as we're getting into these subjects, there's just so much we don't know and we don't know what to ask. And this is the great thing about having these conversations is we're developing a knowledge. And Nicole even talks about this in the episode, how education is just so important to just start with education. And this is what we're hoping the show is doing for folks is providing some foundation, some education so that you do know what to ask so that when that conversation happens, you know, down the road, next month, next year, you can engage better. So we'll get there. But yeah, I, I know what you, I agree too. Like as this picture has become clearer, that's not that I meant clearer, not complete, whatever, you know where to go. You know, you know which gaps to fill in, but there's so many gaps that we have, right? <laughs> right there's now. a lot of gaps. And I, and you know what, speaking on the education theme, what makes me sad about not requiring a license is that license requirements were education, right? It taught people how to safely own a weapon. And now that isn't a requirement anymore. So like the, that education portion of what it meant to own something that is so powerful has been removed as a requirement. Um, but I do want to say, I did find a little, little nugget that the DPS... Um, it does offer free online courses on gun safety. It was part of the compromise for permitless carry to pass. It was something it sounds like the DPS negotiated for. So um, there is, there are free online courses mm -hmm. about gun safety. That's great. Yeah. 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 If you have a gun, educate yourself on it. You know, know how to uh, properly use it, store it. That's completely your prerogative and within your rights. So, um, yeah, we encourage you to seek out the, that information because it's helpful. Um, it's very helpful. And, Nicole, I know what I was talking about regarding the mass shooting. It was the one in Colorado Springs. Oh. Yes. Um, the father of the young man who carried out the shooting, yeah, he said something to the effect of, um, oh, my goodness, let's see if I can find this quote really fast. Um, yeah, he, the dad said to the son, I praised him for violent behavior really early. I told him it works. It is instant and you'll get immediate results. Uh, I remember reading that when that shooting happened and being like, yeah, you get instant results, but those are not the results that you should be encouraging ever. So I have no words. Yeah, I had to come back with that. Uh, I didn't want to leave that hanging out there. So we're hoping that y'all are learning some from us. I know we're learning a lot as we're digging into this. Um, it's important for us to, to be aware of what's happening. And as we keep mentioning, the Texas legislative session is going to start soon here in January. And uh, I believe bills have been filed regarding gun restrictions, making it easier for guns to be in circulation. So just stay aware. And Texas Gun Sense is a great resource. You can sign up for their newsletter and they will let you know what's going on. You can sign up for our newsletter and we're going to help push out important information as well. So um, just stay engaged. And of course, thank you for listening. Anything else, Nicole, before we officially sign off? Well, I'll just add that, as we mentioned, we are going to put a link to this article. And at the top of the article, if you wanted to also subscribe to the trace to that newsletter, you can find the link within the article. So lots of, lots of resources available. Yeah. Good stuff. 
Well, thank you for tuning in. We'll talk with y'all soon. Thank you, everybody, for joining me, Nicole Abshire, and my co-host, Claire Campos O'Neill, on Go Behind the Ballot. Hopefully, we've demystified some little portion of Texas politics, and we hope that you'll do more with us. Check out our website at www.gobehindtheballot.com, where you'll find links to all of our social media, and you will find our community. Let's join together and do more. We hope you'll let us know what is working, and we hope you'll join us next week. Thanks, everybody, and have a good one.